Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Close your eyes. Picture yourself on a summer evening at the ballpark. If I said one of the teams were wearing pinstripes, who would come to mind? The New York Yankees. Another team's logo is simply the letter D in Old English font. That's right, the Detroit Tigers. Another team wears purple on their uniforms and are the only one in the MLB to use that color. You guessed it, the Colorado Rockies. Our teams have come to define themselves by what they wear, and as fans, we show our pride using this same code. To baseball fans, this code binds us as to who we support. Uniforms are badges of pride that even now border as fashion statements. Teams spend massive amounts of money to design the perfect jerseys with the right color tones, cuts, and logo placements. Player performance even factors into uniform design, with brimmed caps, specialized fabrics, and even belt designs to ensure optimal play. Uniforms, from their purpose to their design, have changed dramatically since baseball's early days in the mid-1800s. No more bow ties, collared shirts, or wool pants. But even with these changes, Baseball uniforms are an always intriguing mix of design and functionality, a continual give and take of form and function. Dressed to the Nines, today on Rounders, a history of America's game. As we've discussed in earlier episodes, the New York Knickerbockers Baseball Club was a pioneering force in turning baseball into a professional league, one that would become the biggest sport in the United States. They were the first organized baseball club. They were the first club to take the important step of codifying a written set of rules. They were the first pioneering group to establish a professional league, and they filled that league with teams from across the country. It's fitting that they were the first team to adopt an official uniform in the year 1849. So what did these uniforms look like? Well, the official New York club outfit included a set of blue wool pantaloons, a white flannel shirt, and a nice straw hat. For those wondering what pantaloons are, just imagine a pair of slim pants that tapered down to the ankles. If you need a visual... Just visit a local Hollister or American Eagle and see the jeans that teens are wearing today. Now, if this sounds incredibly impractical and uncomfortable, I would agree with you. Hot, tight wool pants in the summer? But there was a reason for these choices, from the colors right down to the fabrics. These first uniforms were a textbook case of form over function. So let's break down the first uniform, beginning with the color. Why white and blue? The New York club took their organization seriously, and they wanted to separate themselves from the many other baseball clubs in the area. They wanted to be seen as a professional organization, not like those other juvenile, disorderly groups around the area. 
those ragtag baseball clubs tended to choose red as their uniform colors. So the Knickerbockers went the other way and chose blue to present a respectable, gentlemanly demeanor. And why wool? Ugh. Can you imagine a wool uniform during a hot summer game? But again, it was the goal of presenting themselves as professionals. In the mid-1800s, cotton was cheap, and it was widely associated with the clothes that someone wore to work. It wasn't a fabric seen as fashionable or respectable. But wool, well, wool, that was the fabric that was used by respectable, manly organizations, like volunteer military companies or local fraternal orders. So, they would use these fabric uniforms, so the Knickerbockers did too. And the straw hat? Apparently, that only lasted a few years before it was dropped as a part of the uniform set, but one can assume that it was more function than form to keep the sun out of players' eyes. So in 1867, the Cincinnati Red Stockings took a bold move. They put function over form, and they adopted breeches instead of pantaloons. Breeches were baggy pants that extended to the bottom of the calves, so these pants were much roomier and more comfortable to play in than pantaloons. As the uniform continued to evolve for professional baseball clubs, we saw more teams start to adopt standard uniforms with breeches instead of pantaloons, and stockings began to be introduced to uniforms, and they actually had two useful functions. One was to cover the leg from the calf to the ankle, but the other one became a way of telling opposing teams apart based on their stocking color. The assortment of colors during this time was not that large, so it wasn't uncommon to have two teams wearing white uniforms facing off against each other. In 1882, the National League took a weird backward step in uniform design by calling for the use of multicolored uniforms that would identify each player's position. For example, scarlet and white striped shirts and caps were worn by first basemen, while shortstops wore solid maroon. Only the color of the stockings was used to differentiate one club from another. But these new uniforms soon became known as clown costumes, and they were dropped mid-season that same season, although a few clubs kept using them for a few more years. What about baseball caps from the 1800s? We know that the Knickerbockers tried straw hats, and they dropped those quickly. And from the 1840s to the 1870s, Baseball players wore various types of hats, or no hat at all, since there was no official rule regarding headgear. Some examples of these hats during this time included boating caps, jockey caps, cycling caps, and flat-topped caps like any Old West villain would have worn. The Brooklyn Excelsiors were actually the first team to wear what would later become known as the modern baseball cap. It had a rounded top and a brim to shade the eyes from the sun. Over time, we've seen the brim get longer to further protect players' eyes from the sun, but the baseball cap we know today wasn't a far cry from this original design in the 1860s. By the end of the 1800s, all major league baseball teams had adopted official uniforms. Let's take a moment for the seventh inning stretch, and we'll be back to talk more baseball. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to follow me on social media. 
I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast. By subscribing, you'll get photos, quotes, and short event summaries from baseball's rich past in your feed on a regular basis. I also want to hear from you about topics you'd like to see covered, so keep in touch and follow me. You can also support me through Patreon, so if you have $1 or $2 a month, I'd appreciate your support. It goes a long way towards helping me upgrade equipment and pay the bills so I can focus on putting together more episodes. If you have the ability to send me 5 or more dollars a month, I'll give you some exclusive perks, such as show notes with photos and research references, extra episodes, and regular live Q&A sessions with me. If you're interested, just go to patreon.com and search for Rounders Podcast. A link is also available in the show notes. To my listeners that sign up by the end of October, I'll send you a special web story with visuals of baseball's uniform evolution. This photo-based story is yours to keep and share with friends, so take a moment and sign up today. That's all for now. Let's get back to the show. The 20th century brought more changes to baseball's use of uniforms. This is the century where we start to see more of a balance between form and function, and uniforms became a way to help the players and the fans enjoy the game more. For example, in 1907, the Brooklyn Superbas, I hope I'm saying that right, began using two different uniforms for the first time. They used one for when they played in their own ballpark, and one when they were away. They were the first team to start the trend of wearing white for home games and a dark color on the road. Brooklyn's road uniforms were a blue pattern for their shirts, and their stockings matched. Following this trend, in 1916, the New York Giants made a bold statement by unveiling road jerseys that had purple lines, creating a tartan pattern that looked like a Scottish kilt. This trend continued for the next 50 years as more and more teams started to develop a road jersey separate from their white home jersey. In 1963, the Kansas City Athletics began using gold and green road uniforms instead of a traditional gray or dark color. Light blue became a popular color for road jerseys from the 1970s to the 1990s. But overall, we start to see a trend begin in the early 20th century of having two different uniform sets. In the early 1900s, teams also took the practice of using stripes on uniforms and turned this into a more practical purpose. To help baseball crowds see players more clearly, especially during day games, some teams began using long stripes along the length of their uniforms, which were nicknamed pinstripes. The Boston Dubs were the first squad to use this style, beginning in 1907. Both the New York Giants and Yankees helped popularize the style further. It's rumored that the Yankees adopted pinstripes to make Babe Ruth look slimmer. During this time, the Brooklyn Dodgers began using uniforms made of satin for night games because the fabric was more reflective and thus easier for fans to see. So we start to see an overall trend of team jerseys beginning to take on different styles and colors and functions as time progresses. This actually began in 1897, believe it or not, when the Boston Bean Eaters unveiled a shield with a B on the front of their jerseys. In 1904, the Detroit Tigers added the still popular English-style D to the front of their uniforms. In 1914, the Buffalo Bills of the now-defunct Federal League 
were the first major league team to use the full team name script lettering on the front of their jerseys. The jersey said Buffalo with a partial underline. Script lettering didn't become popular with other clubs until the 1930s or so, so the Blues were way ahead of their time. In 1922, the St. Louis Cardinals unveiled the still-used birds-on-bat graphic on the front of their uniform. In 1936, the New York Yankees introduced their infamous interlocking NY logo on the front of their jerseys. Teams continued to experiment with different graphics on jerseys throughout the 1900s, and that still continues to this day. Other logo trends popped up during the 20th century as well. For instance, in 1917, the United States declared war on Germany and propelled the whole country into World War I. In response to that, five major league teams added U.S. flags to their jerseys in show of patriotism and support. The Tigers, for instance, put the flag on their left sleeve. The Brooklyn Dodgers put it across their chest. The Senators put a shield of stars and stripes on the front of their jerseys. The use of patriotic symbols has cropped up again and again in baseball, with flag usage during World War II and after 9-11. Another popular logo style that we've grown accustomed to began in 1906 when the New York Giants were the first to unveil a special jersey after winning the World Series the season before. This became popular very quickly. We saw it in 1921, the season after the Cleveland Indians won the championship. We saw it in 1927, when the Cardinals won their World Series over the New York Yankees. And, as of last night, I'm sure we're going to see the Red Sox unveil their logo with the World Series champs on it for the 2019 season. There have been other jersey patches and logo styles that existed throughout the 1900s. So we saw... in. For instance, in 1939, baseball's centennial season of existence, every major and minor league club wore a specially designed patch commemorating that anniversary. That patch was worn on the left sleeve of every club's jersey, except for the St. Louis Browns. Since 1937, two years prior to this, the left shoulder of the Browns jersey had featured the team's crest. So for that 1939 season, they placed that special centennial patch on the jersey's right shoulder. We saw a league-wide patch used most recently this past September to commemorate the events of 9-11. It was a ribbon with the words, We Shall Not Forget, emblazoned on player, coach, and umpire caps. As uniforms continue to evolve, we see jersey numbers become popular. Jersey numbers were first used in 1907 by the Reading Roses of the Atlantic League, and they did this because their manager at the time, a guy named Alfred Lawson, decided to number his players to help the fans identify who their favorite ones were on the field. Now, because there were 14 men on the roster, Lawson ordered numbers 1 through 12, number 14, and number 15. He did this purposely because he wanted to avoid a jersey with the number 13 on it, because he feared that that player would have an unlucky number. It's unclear if the team ever took the field with these planned numbered jerseys, but it did start a trend of teams thinking about ways to help fans figure out who's who on the field. In 1909, the Cuban Stars, who were a barnstorming club made up of talented players from Cuba, wore uniform numbers on their shirt sleeves. 
The only known photo of this shows Stars pitcher Jose Mendez wearing number 12 on his left sleeve. He was a legendary Cuban ball player, and Mendez was a member of the inaugural class of the Cuban Baseball Hall of Fame in 1939. If you'd like to see these pictures, please take a moment and go on Patreon and sign up to support me, and you'll get that baseball story with all of the pictures in it. In 1916, the Cleveland Indians took the field wearing large numbers on their left sleeves. The experiment only lasted a few weeks, though. The next year, the team wore uniforms with numbers on the right sleeve. But this also only lasted a short time into the season. Cleveland pioneered again in 1929 when they became the first major league team to add numbers to the back of the jersey. This trend picked up quickly with other major league clubs, and it wasn't long before all major league teams saw that jersey number on the back of uniforms. But it wasn't until 1951, just over 30 years after numbers were first worn on the back of uniforms, that the Springfield Cubs of the International League decided to place a player's number on the front and the back of the jersey. The following year, the Brooklyn Dodgers picked up this style, and the practice soon caught on with other big league clubs. Today, nearly every major league club uses jersey front numbers on their home or their road uniform. In 1960, the Chicago White Sox introduced the first uniforms to feature player names on the back of the jersey. This innovation was a success, and today, every major league club's adopted the practice, with one notable exception, those traditionally-minded New York Yankees. They still have yet to add the last name to the back of their home or road uniforms. Since the 1960s, there has been an explosion of uniform design, and for the good of the sport, it's been both for the benefit of form and function. So during this decade of the 1960s, we saw both the Los Angeles Angels and the now-defunct Seattle Pilots get fancy with baseball cap design. The Angels were the first team to experiment with designs in addition to the standard team logo. In 1961, they placed a silver halo across the top of player caps, although this style only lasted three seasons. That halo lived on, though, because it was added to the official team logo later on. In 1969, the Seattle Pilots introduced player caps with two golden braids, sometimes referred to as scrambled eggs, and similar to those that are worn in the hats of U.S. Navy officers and commercial airline captains. They put those across the intersection of the cap and the visor. But when the club moved to Milwaukee just one year later, the team was renamed and that cap design was abandoned. In 1970, the Pittsburgh Pirates went all-in to completely redesign the baseball uniform. Their new jerseys were the first to feature a blend of cotton and nylon for player comfort. The jerseys were sleeveless, and they were pullovers, and the pants were beltless. These bold changes proved to be a success because every other major league club soon followed suit with this design. The new look for these major league uniforms lasted until about 1993, when the Cincinnati Reds became the last team to abandon those pullover jerseys and beltless pants. In 1976, the Chicago White Sox introduced shorts to a major league uniform. They were copying a style that had become popular in baseball's minor leagues during this decade. And make no mistake about it, these were shorts from that time period too. They were short, tight, 
no secrets. The shorts only lasted for one season, though. Fast forwarding to the 1990s, we see baseball uniforms really break out of stadiums and into the stands. So during this decade, the MLB opened up a huge new marketing push to make team jerseys and caps available to fans, more so than at any other time in baseball's history. They started by slapping the MLB logo on all team memorabilia sold, and they used pop culture to help sell them. Thinking back to the 1990s, Will Smith constantly wore his Philadelphia Phillies jersey on the popular 90s show The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Whether they worshipped the team or the artist wearing them, fans went out and bought jerseys and hats en masse. Jay-Z famously rapped, I made the Yankee hat more famous than the Yankee team, on his 2009 single, Empire State of Mind. As mass media beamed out images of celebrities wearing MLB attire in public, it led to massive sales increases for team merchandise. Since 2000, baseball jerseys continue to evolve, with designs and logos constantly changing. The MLB's partnerships with apparel companies like New Era, Majestic, Under Armour, and Stance are leading to league-wide adoption of new fabrics and uniform styles. But it's also led to a rise in uniform branding. All official MLB team hats now feature the New Era logo. All jerseys will feature the Under Armour logo beginning with the 2020 season. Even official team socks now have the Stance logo, who's now the official sock supplier of Major League Baseball. How you feel about modern-day jerseys probably depends on your feelings about uniform design and, in many cases, depends on your generation. Older, more traditionalist fans who grew up during that more logo-free uniform era probably see all these league logos and manufacturer's marks as visually unnecessary this corporate takeover of our beloved game. But younger fans, especially those who buy lots of jerseys and caps, they probably view these logos as badges of legitimacy because they make the uniforms look more official. No matter your stance, baseball's uniform evolution will continue as new technologies, styles, and rules come into play. I'm not worried, though. I know I'm always going to enjoy a mid-June game seeing two teams playing in legacy jerseys from the 1920s. History's long arm is one thing that sets baseball apart from other major sports, and that should, and I think it will, continue to be celebrated. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode, everybody. And remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball.